Grazie, and welcome to another edition of City A Sit Town, World Football Index's podcast where you get your Calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this Sunday night after a derby day filled weekend of football? Huh? What a weekend! Yeah, derby's derby's everywhere you look. We had, uh, I believe, would we have a Ligurian derby? We had the Derby della Sud, Derby d'Italia, which obviously are the be more highlighted. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, a fascinating weekend of football in Serie A. I uh, certainly, uh, certainly enjoyed what I saw. I'm sure, well, Uncle Sharma doesn't appear to have enjoyed what he saw. <laughs> I feel your pain. I, I feel your pain there, Uncle Sharma. But yeah, we'll get into that. There was an interesting talking point there at the end of the uh, Derby d'Italia. And uh, uh, as you would imagine, Calcio Twitter, actually, I don't think they're divided on that. We'll, we'll be, we will talk about it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm surprised. Maybe. I, I, I think I think uh, I, you know we'll get into it, but I think that uh, just kind of jumping into it, I feel like you know going through the Twitter feed, I think everybody's kind of uh, skewing towards uh, correct call versus uh, oh look at the referees, they're at it again. So um, and I am in that I am in that camp. So uh, but I know we'll have a chance to talk about that. And speaking of letting the referees, our referees back at it again. Um, lots of managers behaving badly this weekend. Several red cards oh. by the managers. My goodness. I mean, okay, so Gasparini, Mourinho, Inzaghi, and uh, Spalletti. Spalletti was sent off after the match, though. Um, good morning from a delirious Monday morning in Southwest Sydney. I mean, we are all over the world, and look at that, uh, Preve Inter. Uh, checking in with us uh, from down under. Good to good to have you with us. Uh, good to have everybody. Anthony Lafleur, Uncle Sharma. See you guys in the chat. Um, back in our usual Sunday night spot. So, uh, and glad to have you on board. Hopefully, everybody's digesting their heavy Sunday dinners and uh, getting ready to digest a little bit of a calcio breakdown with Richard and myself. Yeah. So. Uh, we have uh, these derbies to go over. Uh, we have the rest of the. Match week, match week nine uh, to go over. Almost lost track. I mean, Serie A has been so exciting so far. I lose track of how many match weeks we've actually played. It's actually hard to believe there's only been nine. Nine. It's it's crazy. I could have swore we were at 15 or in the teens already or not. Not even 10. Right? So, yep. yep. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if there's something, you know, and it's very rare for us to credit Serie A for anything. Um, but I think th- their scheduling, I think, has something to do with this, getting some really key games early on in the season. But I think it's also a credit to the talent in City on the talent of the teams. I think the teams are getting better. I think you're getting many more compelling games than we're used to getting. Um, and I think that that's making for, for an exciting atmosphere, as, as Anthony seems to be excited about here in the chat. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's been great. We're nine games in. What do we say? Ten to twelve games in. We kind of have a pretty good feel for who everybody is and what they're going to be. But uh, why yeah. don't we start with uh, why don't we start with the uh, the big derby uh, that took place at the San Siro? Yeah, and of course we're talking Derby d'Italia, Inter hosting Juventus. Always going to be a big occasion, right? You're going to have Simone Inzaghi on one side, uh, Massimiliano Allegri on the other. Uh, let's look at the lineups first for the hosts. Uh, Handanovic in goal once again. Uh, a back three of Skriniar, Divrai, Bastoni. No surprise there. Midfield of Darmian, Barella, Brozovic, Chalanolu, and Perisic. And up top, you had Dzeko and 
Lautaro Martinez. Thoughts on Inter's lineup hit into this one? Um, yeah, no real surprises. I mean, I think for me, it's it's Darmian right now at the right wing back position until. Dumfries gets up to speed with some of his individual defending. And I think in a game like this, you want somebody with the experience and has been in these situations before. Darmian clearly has more so than Dumfries. Um, Perisic has just has turned into a very, very effective player as a left wing back. I mean, le- I mean, let's face it. I mean, he's he's always going forward and he's always going to be a, a winger that just happens to be a wing back. You know, he's not necessarily there for his defending. He's there to to put pressure on the other side. He's there to keep people honest. I, I liked some of the things that he did in this game. And, uh, you know, your midfield three, I thought was, uh, was pretty straightforward as well with, with Chalhanolu in there, um, you know, doing the playmaking out of that midfield three to the forwards who have really been the standard uh, for Inter starting up front, Jekyll and Lataro. Yeah, and I really have no problem with this lineup at all. I mean, Jekyll's even said this post, I think it was post-match. He said, you know, this is the most attacking team I've played on aside from that city team that you know when he was with Mancini so right. uh, this is a very attacking team a lot of talent on this team both on the starting 11 and on the bench uh, i know that one of the players was sick i believe and i can't remember who it was might have been demarco maybe not why he didn't get the start but yeah i mean outside of this top 11 i mean really handanovic is the, always the question mark cuz i know how interisti feel about him he's obviously an inter legend but his best days are behind him right but who do you have to bring you know to to switch out with no one really. So you're kind of right. stuck with him. But other than that, I think it's a, it's a fine starting 11 for me. Uh, moving on to the visitors. Uh, in goal, you had uh, obviously Wojciech Chesney, uh, went with Danilo, Bonucci, Chiellini, and Alexandro in defense. In the midfield, you had Juan Cuadrado, Weston McKinney getting into the lineup, Manuel Locatelli. Uh, Bernadeschi would get a sh- brief cameo in this one with Kulashevsky and Morata. Thoughts on a certain 11 for Juventus? Weird. Very weird. Um, I kind of understand what Allegri is going for here shape-wise. Um, you know, it, it probably to absorb, probably to deal with Inter. And then you have, you know, the two men up front. Marata's kind of your reference point. He's in the higher positions, gets the ball, and then you can have Kulishevsky running off of him, you know, and getting in those positions. I would have much preferred Chiesa in that role over Kulishevsky, I'm sure, as as would many Juve fans. Um, you know, and then uh, when you're in possession, it's Bernadeschi and Cuadrado pumping in crosses, looking for Morata. I understand some of the facets of what Allegri was trying to do here. I just don't think it came together well. I, I you know, and, and and there were, you know, I or at least on paper going in. Uh, I was surprised, you know, you take Dybala is out of the lineup. Chiesa is out of the lineup. They're on the substitutes bench. Um, you know, for me, a very, very strange selection for Allegri. Yeah, really. I think the, the three missing pieces that I think most people would expect in a certain lineup is Chiesa, Dybala and Delict, right? Um, yeah. but you know, it's an interesting lineup. Obviously, not having Bentancourt in a certain lineup was interesting and, and McKenney was in. So you saw that. Allegri really didn't want to do too anything too crazy. Uh, really want to, like you mentioned, hold up the attack from Inter, really try to absorb some of that and try to stay in the game as long as possible where, you know, Allegri's looking to win one nothing. That's all he cares about. Um, he doesn't really want to be uh, exploited. Giving goal, If he goes into goal fest, he's not going to win that. Not with this team. Yeah. Um, and so he's always going to try to keep it tight. I, but I didn't mind um, Bonucci and Chiellini. Uh, I, you know, I mean, for the same reasons... You know, for the same reasons of the uh, uh, the Roma game last week, okay, Inter are 
pretty aggressive going forward. You know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of games Benucci and Chiellini have played together. You go with the two guys that understand each other, that have the know-how, um, you know, and right now is what Allegri prefers over Delict. And it's right now the way it looks in these big games, Allegri is going to run old man Chiellini into the ground, uh, you know, until, yeah. you know, until he can't take it anymore. I, you know, in this game again, I, I thought that he had a better game today uh, than he did last week against Roma, but I still think there are moments where Chiellini is, is showing his age. I mean, you're a 37 year old defender at some point. Catch early somebody. positioning is going to early positioning is going to be good. You know, but at some point there's going to be moments where you're going to get exposed. Yeah, yeah, and we saw that uh, last week against Roma, right? With Tammy Abraham really going, kind of going through him on the one play. Yeah, so this game uh, we imagine is always going to be tight, uh, but you know what you rarely see it seems like is an early goal, and we kind of had this in this one. Uh, 17th minute, uh, a player that's very a very polarizing player lately, especially from Anisti and, and Interisti, and that's Hakan Chalanolu. A guy who hasn't done much this season so far, had some glimpses, especially early on, had a rocket of a shot that hit off the post, uh, beats the goalkeeper. If it was going in, it would have been a goal, but hits off the post, bounces out. Jekko, right place, right time, knocks it past the goalkeeper. A fantastic way to start for uh, for if you're Inter. And really, it's putting all the chips on the table right there and making Juventus come out of their shell, which is a, a great way to start if you're, uh, if you're, if you're Inter. What are your thoughts? Um, I think Chalanolu's shot took a deflection, um, which kind of helped. Uh, I actually saw Lisi <laughs> tweet out that uh, nobody's going to point out that it, that deflection had happened. Chalanolu's shot was going into Rosette, so um, maybe uh, you never you you never can tell. But uh, they checked for offside on Jekko, which you know at first glance I thought he was, but when you look at it again, it's, it's extremely tight and you got to air to the side of, okay, that's a goal. Um, you know, which I, which I thought that that was fine. Um, uh, opportunistic finish for Jekko, one of those that just falls for him. And, and as a finisher, that's what, those are the ones you've got to take care of, especially in a game like this. Um, and yeah, Chalanolu just trying his luck from distance. And that's why you take those long range shots. It might, it might deflect wrong. It might wrong foot the goalkeeper. And, you, you know, and in this case, it deflected, hit the post, came back to Jekyll. So, you know, a lot going on there. Um, it was a it, it, it just was strange to watch Juventus be so slow to react to a second ball or start re recycling things defensively, too. But maybe they just couldn't in time. Things happen so fast. But Jekyll gets the goal and, and Inter goes in front. And would you say that was a deserved lead? Um, I would say... Just barely. Um, I thought that things were equal. I know that Juventus early on had some chances that, um, you know, the ball, Handanovic had a, had an issue with and, and nearly allowed the ball to creep over the line, but able was able to hang on to it. And I don't know. I, I my, my feelings at that point was that, okay, probably deserved to be ahead. Um, but you could also make a case that, you know, balanced game and this is the odd goal that that sets one team apart from the other as well yeah and i, I think and just before this goal interserted and certain their dominance or their advantage in the play i think you know it was certainly an even game overall and even the first yeah. half but i thought inter had the better of the play in the first half they were the better of the two teams and that goal was a great way to kind of start that and kind of 
kept on going through through the rest of the half. Um, right around the goal, there was an injury for Juventus. You never want to see an injury early in the game. Uh, Bernadeschi, right. guy who got the start, uh, maybe surprised to some, maybe not the others, but injured nonetheless. He comes off. Um, Bentancourt comes on. Uh, I didn't see exactly how the extent of how serious that injury may have been, but whenever a player leaves early, it's never a good sign. Uh, what do you know about the injury, if anything? Nothing. Um, I know that he wanted to try to stay on to see if he could sort it out. Um, but, and it was kind of funny, and I saw Digby tweeting about it and saying, okay, they have Dybala ready. Bernadeschi says, wait, I want to see if I can play this out. Decides he can't play it out. And then Juventus puts in Bentoncourt instead. So, um, yeah. I, I think that that was just an extension of the madness with Allegri with this lineup. Um, and I don't know what he was trying to accomplish here, but it was um, it was certainly interesting. Um, I'm going to try to see what I can what I can pull up here on on Bernadeschi. I doubt we're going to hear anything until tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate. A guy that is, you know, it's just not worked out uh, with the Bianconetti, you know, and he's been in our crap on a cracker team a couple of times. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how disappointing he has been. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's been coming on lately though, at least yeah. uh, I think having Allegri back certainly helps him. Uh, he was much, he's much more relevant under Allegri than he is with anybody else. Um, but the injury nonetheless is going to suck for him. sucks for Juventus. It did suck for Juventus because really normally Allegri makes a, a switch like that and it's, he usually gets it right. But I think this is the one, one of the few cases that he got that one wrong because Benton core was pretty non-existent most of the game uh till at least very late um let me know if you find anything on the injury but uh the game as we mentioned you know was was in interest favor for the first half they played very well most of the play most of the better play was in in on the, you know Chesney's goal um we started seeing at the end of the first half things starting to get chippy but I got a yellow uh, I forget who for Juventus got a yellow as well. It's Alexandro. So we go into halftime, one nothing scoreline. I think for the two teams, if you're injured, this is where you want to be. You've got the lead. Juventus has to come out of the shell to try to score a goal to get a, at least a draw out of this one. And with that happening, it hopefully leaves the, the back open so they, they can you know hit them on the counterattack and probably get another goal out there. If you're Juventus, not the ideal start. It's not. Uh, and then Bernadeschi is out for Bentancourt, who's been non-existent for the for, for his time that he's been in there. Um, it's not an easy one, but you're still only one nothing down. Anything can happen in these games, and all you need is a set piece or a flu- fluke play here or there, and you're back in the game. So I don't think Allegri is too bothered by this, but if anyone's going to have the advantage, it's clearly going to be Inter, and obviously with a one nothing lead, you'd think that. But um, that's going to be advantageous to get Allegri and his team out of their shell, being you know being up one nothing at halftime for Inter. Do you think Inter almost felt to me that as this game was going on, that Inter was trying to take a page out of Allegri Juve's book, um, in which are just, okay, 1-0 up, trying to manage it. Um, you know, and I think that, yeah, I, I'm just kind of flipping through some some post-game commentary. People, in, or not people, in Zaghi, uh, Simone Inzaghi saying after the game, yeah, I know, it, it, People in Zaghi was probably the better player, and Simone and Zaghi was probably the better manager. It's, 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 you know, so okay. Um, I got to just make sure I write that on my hand next time. Uh, Simone <laughs> uh, and Zaghi, 
I think said the only he, I think he even said something after the game is that the only way Juventus were scoring on us was if they got a penalty. Um, and I think he's right uh, because I mean, do you see anything here that Juve did that there was there was a uh, a shot at Handanovic that he had trouble with, but he had a defender there to clear it away. But after that, I didn't really see anything where Handanovic was was troubled. I think Handanovic looks bad because of the couple of opportunities that were at him, he didn't handle particularly well, right. um, you know, and he could have been the very reason why Inter could have lost this game. But I, I think the outfield players in front of him were very good, uh, you know, for Inter and, you know, did everything they could to just find a way to just get out of there with three points against Juventus. Um, I, it just, it's, it, it felt strange to me. It's, it was, it felt like Inter were trying to be trying to be resourceful Inter and trying to be like uh, Allegri's Juve, where we have seen Inzaghi's Inter this season. When they score, they're looking for a second one and a third, and they've done that to a number of teams this season. Are they yeah. guilty? Are they are they guilty of giving Juve Juve too much respect? Probably, probably, and I and really you know. To echo what Inzaghi said, honestly, the first 65 minutes, there was really nothing that you know that uh, Juventus provided to really scare Inter. Um, yeah. Obviously, with the lineup that they put out there, it was more pragmatic. Um, and the way Inter came out there, maybe still thinking in the back of their mind what happened uh, against Lazio, you know, maybe different factors here and there. But yeah, you know, they know that at least Inzaghi feels that Juve really is not going to be able to beat them with all this power. And I guess they just want to draw the game out as best they can and really to make it as boring as possible, non-entertaining, so that they can just win the game. And they got their goal already, and they, what more do they need? They know Juventus is not right. going to score a goal unless it's something, like you mentioned, a penalty or something fluky. Uh, so I, I guess they're more than content to not give up anything too much defensively and just let the play you know, see its way out there. And I mentioned the 65th minute because that's when Chiesa and Dybala came on. I thought this looked like a different Juventus team once yeah. these two players came on. It was a... Big change in the way the style of play was. The play started tilting towards Juventus, and I it started yeah. seeing almost the opposite script of the first half in the second yeah. half, where Juve were constantly coming in waves. Where in the first half we saw that from Inter. I thought they put Inter under a lot more pressure for sure. Um, they they tried to raise the tempo of the game a little bit. Um, you know, they tried getting at Inter a little bit, trying to get at them, trying to get behind them, things like that, trying to get some some great chances, but. I think that still Inter diffused that pretty well. You know, I mean, at some point you got to say, all right, fine. They're going to be in our third of the pitch a lot here with the way they're trying to come at us and with the way they're trying to attack and that sort of thing. If we can just keep it all in front of us, not allow anything easy to happen, then we're going to be fine. We're going to get out of this okay. And I think that that's what Inter did, you know, conversely. I I, I like the substitutions. I like how Allegri went to it yeah. and changed the shape and brought on Dybala and Chiesa to put that kind of pressure on Inter where I think that um, – I think Inzaghi's Inter deserves some credit here because they went to a system that I don't think they're comfortable with, but maybe had to do it because of yeah. the the strength of, of Dybala and Chiesa. And um, they kept things organized. They didn't give up anything easy. And, you know, and uh, we're minutes away from, from, from getting out of this with three points and showing the rest of us who follow Serie A, that there are, there's more than one way inter, this Inter can win. Yeah. 
Because up to this point, it was all goals and beautiful plays, really playing really wonderful football, really. Uh, and now they're showing you, hey, we have another side to us. We can play gritty, tight games, defensive games, and not let up anything. Uh, that's what we were seeing for 89 minutes of this game. Uh, and finally, you know, wave after wave, it finally started getting closer and closer to the box. And then we knew a contrary was going to happen at some point right at this game, right? And it yeah. did. 89th minute, um, Juventus is coming into the box. A shot goes off. Dumfries hits his player. It might have been Bentancur. I forget who the player was. Um, they go to VAR. They're trying to check and see if it's a foul and if it's it was, in the box. It was Alexandro. Alexandro, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and so they go to VAR, and penalty was called. Now, so before we get to the goal, thoughts on it? Because I know a lot of people are talking about this play here, whether, whether there was a penalty, whether it was not, whether it was in the box, whether it was not. What are your thoughts? Good call. The location of the infraction is just inside the box. Okay. The the actual impact of the infraction is just inside the penalty area. And I think Lisey can back us up on this. And I mean, that's why there's VAR. You know, it's not, I mean, VAR didn't screw anybody here. Um, and when you go back and you look at it and you saw what the referee did, he asked the guy, freeze it. You can kind of see it. And sees the sees the contact, sees it happening just inside the penalty area, and he says, "Okay, I've got it. This is a penalty," um, you know, and then uh, goes ahead and he makes the call. So, to the letter of the law and in its strictest interpretation, that's a penalty, uh, and they got it right. From what I know of the penalty area and the and the and and the and the foul that was called, the line is part of the box. It yep. was on the line, therefore in the box. Yep. Um, it's a harsh call. Anytime you have a late penalty like this, anytime it's for Juventus, if and if you're if you're not a Juventus fan, you're thinking, here we go again. But I, I don't really see the controversy. Yes, controversial that it happened late in the game, but yeah. I think it was a good call. I do. Yeah. It was very tight, super tight. Um, but it was a foul. I mean, Dumfries just got him and uh you know, there's some, there were some iffy calls last week in some of the games, but I thought this one was not super clear. But it, obviously, when you look at the replay, when VAR got involved, you saw it was on the line. And I, I'm, I'm okay with this call. It sucks if you're an Inter fan because you yeah. have this whole game. You pretty much were in full control. Uh, and then that happens. And then the game ends 1-1. The ball scores on the, on the penalty there. Um, tough if you're an Inter EC fan. As Uncle yeah. Sharma said, pain, right? And if you're a Ventus fan, you're thinking relief. Because you're getting really outplayed for 65 minutes and then started slowly getting to the game. Got that play to get you that draw. Yeah. I'm sure Juventino are thinking this is a, a justified draw and Inter fans think they got screwed. So, yeah, it's it's a tough result, but it's a derby game and what you expect. Controversy, tight game, and no one being happy. Yep, yep. I agree. I I don't know... I don't know if my opinion really changes about either of these teams. I still like Inter as a top four team. I just don't know if Juventus have enough in their locker right now to be a top four team. Um, I think, and where I think the finishing product leaves a lot to be desired. I don't think Allegri can go through a whole season being resourceful you know, and, and winning a lot, winning games one nil, they're going to have to ev eventually establish some aggression. 
um, in some games, and they're going to eventually have to attack. I don't know if they can. Yeah, they did it against Roma. You know, they had to chase it against Inter, and I thought, you know, we've been talking about it. Allegri made some really nice adjustments. Um, and maybe that was the plan all the way. He said, he also said in his presser that he found Kuliszewski to be somebody that might be more physical, um, that could address some of the physicality that was going to be going on. I, I don't know if maybe he just doesn't think, and that's a fair point about Chiesa. I mean, for everything that he does for his pace, his be able, his, his ability to run off the ball, his ability to establish space when he makes his runs and things like that. When he gets into tighter situations, is Chiesa a guy that we really think uh, can deal with being stuck in? Um, that's a good question. Alexi Sanchez. Who's What's much that? Smaller. So only if it's against Alexi Sanchez, sure. much smaller than him. Sure. <laughs> so I, I see the point. I, I you know. Oh, yeah. Let Kuliszewski play. Let him absorb some of that physicality, you know. And as these, as the inter defenders get a little leggy, then you run Chiesa at them. I, I you know, Let me on the surface when you, oh, go ahead. I think on the surface you want to, you know, if you think that, you know, this is the guy that has been your informed player for club and for country, you know, over the last several weeks and maybe even months. That's the guy you want out there. So. Um, and, you know, and I can understand that sentiment from Juventus' standpoint, but as we've been talking about this and then Allegri's comment about Kuliszewski maybe being more of the physical type of attacker that can absorb some of the punishment, Murata's also built that way, oh, yeah. that that's what they wanted to start with, you know, to put up with that and that, you know, keep the game close, break Inter down a little bit, and then you can have Dybala with his moves and with, with his technique. You can have Chiesa with his running. Uh, you know, start to stretch this inter defense and unbalance them. Um, so worked out well, but or you know, in theory, great idea, I should say. But I thought Inter managed it well um, because yeah. in the end, were there any big time chances that were created out of these tactical adjustments that Allegri made? No, no. So uh, and, it, and it came down to the penalty. So, yeah, and I want to clear something up too because I know Juventus will come screaming at us and say, "Hey, we've been resourceful in the past and we've won." But I think what you're talking about is that being resourceful with this group of players—it's one yeah. thing being resourceful with a talent of on the bench and on the on the starting eleven. This is not what yeah. Juventus have. They have you know right. a handful of really good players, and then eh, not so much for the other players, right? Midfield, right? Other than Locatelli, you're like, eh. so that's you know that's what we're talking about being resourceful with this kind of team. I agree. I don't. I didn't have them in my top four. Uh, in my in my predictions before the season, and I that hasn't changed whatsoever. And I still think Inter are a top four team. Um, where they land in that top four is a different story. But um, switching over to Inter, I think yeah, I thought Inzaghi managed this well. It was a different style of play that we that we're normally used to seeing Inter, but it worked. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't for that that that, that call at the end, end of the game. They would have won this game and said, "Look, we can win this. We can win it any way we want and play." Right? Yeah. Um, so, Inter shouldn't hang their heads on this. Yes, it sucks, but what they showed is they can play a different style and it can still get the job done. Um, they probably don't want to do this every weekend, right? right. Just maybe the big games, but it can be done. And they know that they should hold their head up high, saying, "Look, we can uh, we can play the style one we need to. We play the big teams, uh, whether sure. it's in Europe or in the in the league." So. Um, yeah, it, it's a strong performance. Nice to play Inzaghi. I know they had a little bit chip on the shoulder after last week too. We saw Inzaghi pre-match saying, "You know, hey, from now on, we're gonna play, the, keep playing the ball. We don't care if anyone's injured, right?" Because after what happened last week, so uh, yeah, no, Inter, Inter be fine. I think um, 
they're they're built to run for the long season. Where they end up in that top four is uh, to be determined. But uh, I don't think this will phase them. This will only motivate them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I think if in, if Inter th- if Inter can take any if Inter Easty that listen to us can take any encouragement from this game, it's simply that there's. There's some tactical flexibility, or they found some tactical flexibility here. They can grind um, when they need to. So, um, which is probably something I'm not so sure we were willing to say about them. So, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just overall as a game, it was meh. I mean, it was not a spectacle. Um, It was, again, you know, the Calcio nerd in me enjoyed watching the chess match that Inzaghi and Allegri were playing against each other. expecting a derby, right? Right. But, you know, it wasn't one that you had, you know, it wasn't, a, it, it didn't turn out to be appointment television. No. Just no. leave it at that. So, yeah. um, moving on to the other derby of importance that took place today, uh, the Derby della Sud uh, between Roma and Napoli, Richard. Um Romo with uh, Rui Patricio in goal, uh, back four of Karsdorp, Mancini, Ibanez, and Vigna, uh, Cristante and Veratu to protect that back four. Pellegrini in an advanced role, flanked by Zaniolo and Mkhitaryan. Good to see that Zaniolo got back out there. Uh, and then Tommy Abraham in attack. Uh, this looks like a Mourinho team that says, all right, Napoli's going to come forward, they're going to come at us, and we're going to – just like the Juve game – you know, only it actually happened in this game. We're going to try to break on him with uh, with that what what would ultimately be that front three with Mkhitaryan, Zaniolo, and Abraham. Yeah, and it's so good to see Zaniolo back out there. We had all of us, I think, in the in the culture community were a little worried to see if maybe Zaniolo goes down with another serious injury. Luckily, it wasn't, so he's back. So that's good. But you know, this lineup, pretty straight up lineup. Um, lineup, I think, was pretty damn near their best eleven, and it's a, yeah. a lineup you knew that weren't going to give up much. Um, and we're going to try to play on the counter. They have some speedsters on that team, including 97-year-old Mkhitaryan. They can still, you know, they can still counter well. But uh, yeah, it'll be. It was interesting that you know, Mourinho, you knew exactly what Mourinho was going to do when this lineup came out. And uh, yeah, I think it was pretty effective considering what Mourinho wanted or didn't want to happen against him. So, yeah, Mkhitaryan's only 32. For football, he's old. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> yeah, he looks older to me. Don't That's assassinate old. his age just yet. He's not in that Goran Panda range. That's true. That is so. True. <laughs> um, moving on, Napoli, uh, Ospina, uh, back four, Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, Kulibali, and Mario Rui, um, Andre Zambo, and Gisa, and Fabian Ruiz in a double pivot. Uh, Zielinski pushing forward uh, with Matteo Politano starting on the right, Insigne to the left, Ossiman up front. No, no real surprises here. No surprise there, and uh, we we knew exactly with both these lineups come out what kind of play was going to happen. And whenever you see Napoli play, ninety five percent of the time they're going to dominate possession against whoever they play against. Uh, and Roma with Mourinho in big games, his tendency is to drop back and let the play come at him and play on the counter. So uh, it, it was lined up to see exactly how we wanted the lineup for Napoli straight up. Um, no surprises, I think, really for either team in this one. How, how much? Okay, so. There's not much to talk about with this game. Um, aside from that, I mean, except for the man, both managers getting a red card. Uh, <laughs> Mourinho getting his in the second half and then Spalletti getting his after the game. Yeah. Um, you had to anticipate Mourinho 
I mean, and and I think a lot. Not only the the respect for Napoli, but after getting boat raced by Bodo Glimt uh, in the UEFA Conference League, that yeah, I think this needed to be a okay. We're using this game to get right to not give up anything to get this part of our to get this part of what we're doing better, and then can we go the other way uh, and find a way to get one now? Um, I think that it's a combination of both of those. And I think it's much more so to do with Napoli, but you, you, in the back of your mind as a manager coming off of getting beaten six to one by anybody, you want to address your team's defending your team's shape yeah. and not to concede so many easy, uh, so many easy chances. Yeah. Cause many people are going to start questioning Mourinho if they give up another three, four goals in this game, right after the six, one drubbing. Um, and I think Mourinho's game plan was very effective, especially in the first half. Uh, probably the, one of the best chances of the game was Tammy Abraham in the 27th minute. Uh, and I'm getting a clear cut pass uh, in front of yeah. Rahmani. Took a shot just wide. Yep. Rahmani is playing with fire and could have gotten called, you know, on, depending on referee. Yeah. On there. But uh, yeah, Abraham should have done better with that shot. Uh, I know it's difficult with, with the circumstances that were there, but I mean, that was probably the best opportunity in the game overall. And uh to start, you know, to start the game, really, that was a great way for Roma to start because they were playing on the counter, doing exactly what they wanted to do, make it difficult. I mean, I think maybe in that first half, the only real play you saw was Insigne towards the end, near halftime, uh, had a curler that just went over the bar. But other than that, it was Roma doing what they wanted to do, not giving up much and, and taking their chances when they had. And like I said, Tammy Abraham with the best chance of the game in that first half. Um. What else did you see from this? Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think this was a game that I think that as the game went on, Roma bunkered more. Um, and, I, and I think I think there was something said at halftime by Spalletti because it seemed like Napoli had another gear, and, and yes, they didn't score any goals, but they started getting more and more opportunities. There was an exquisite play opportunity where I think it was Fabian to Politano to Osiman that hit off the post, and then Mario Rui had a chance and it went over the bar. But that was a great play set up. You know that they finally found a way to breach that defense there, um, and they had their opportunities. I know Osiman had a looping header off a corner kick. Um, you know that was. There were some plays here and there. Neither team were clinical, as Anthony says in the chat. You know, Roma had their opportunities as well, though. It wasn't like all Napoli in the second half. Pellegrini had a free kick. Mancini almost scored on it. We really should have, honestly. And then Karsdrup dropped a dime for, uh, oh, my gosh, who was it? Um, Pellegrini. It was a volley attempt over Koulibaly's head, and he misses that. So, you know, there were some opportunities, but it really wasn't – Mourinho wasn't going to, you know, going to give up much defensively. You knew that, and Roma wasn't going to put enough pressure on on Napoli to create anything. So really, it was just going to be a stalemate through and through. And what you saw was frustration started to grow in, and then that last ten minutes, it got super feisty, and you started seeing Mourinho get red cards, Spalletti get the red card after the game. Players are trying to go at each other. Um, that's going to happen when a game of uh, you know, Derby de la Sud, Derby de la Sole, whatever you want to call it frustration starts to mount when nothing's going your way and, and you're playing this park the bus mentality, you know, both teams are going to get frustrated. You can't get a goal. Hmm. Roma. I mean, we, we talk about this stigma with the seven sisters. This is a point. I mean, it, it's it, it, Roma fans are probably, I guess the first place team. Yeah. They'll take the point, but 
Do you see Roma fan potentially getting grouchy about these tactics as time goes on here? It's like, look, I mean, can yeah. can we find other ways to win? I mean, we talk about how Inter can be expansive and score goals and stuff like that, but then, you know, today tried to show that they can grind a result, you know, and came came really close. Yeah. Roma, I think more often than not under Mourinho, are going to try to grind results. I don't think they're going to be pretty. When they're going to be pretty is when they're going to have the space to counter with the three, with those three guys, with Zaniolo, Abraham, and Mkhitaryan. So is it one of those where you just take relief that, hey, we got a point off of one of the seven sisters. We got a point off of, of, of the team that was in first. But at the same time, as a Roma fan, should you be looking for more here? Or do you just say, hey, this is part of the – this is part of the growth. This is part of getting more of a spine under Jose Mourinho. What are you seeing with Roma? I think because of the the result against Bodo Glimt, this was a result they're more than happy with. They didn't yeah. give him any goals. Uh, it was a competitive game against a top team in Serie A. I think this is a good result. Now, if this tactic continues throughout the rest of the season, yeah, they're going to get frustrated. Um but I think in this type of game, in a situation after coming where many question marks were had after the Bodo Glimp game, let's let's be honest. Yeah. Um, another poor performance, and every person would have been questioned on, on that team, including Mourinho. And they found a way to get a result against a team that's very dangerous offensively with talent up and down the pitch from front to back. So, yeah, I think this is a good result. Now, mm-hmm. let's, let's see how the, they play against a Bologna or, or some of these other teams are not as, as good as Napoli. If they continue with these tactics, I see frustration growing from the Roma fans. But I think for now, they're happy with what the result was. Not happy, content. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you get a point against one of the seven sisters against the top team in Serie A. It's a, it's a good result, especially after a 6-1. Can you pick a man of the match from this game? <sighs> um, Games like this, it's really hard. It, yeah, you know. no, no, it, it's, it's tough. Um it's not Mourinho, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I like what I like what Ruiz was doing in some of the passes. Victor Osman had some opportunities as well, but I don't know, man. Uh, it's tough. I mean, uh, Ver- uh, excuse me, Karsdorp, I thought it was decent. Had a, a great pass to uh, Pellegrini. Pellegrini was in the mix as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough, man. It's tough in this kind of game. Okay. How about you? You got a man of the match for this? I mean... I like those shouts. I mean, it's it's hard to say. If you can make a case, I I I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say comment on the match. I'll just give it to Mancini and Abanez back there. Um, you know, for you know, for keeping things in front of them, keeping things under control. Um, you know, I think they were both outstanding and kind of being the uh, uh, the center back pairing that just kind of gets gets things going and kind of keeps things help keep things connected. I think that that's where I would go for. I'd, I'd probably split it between those two. So, um, yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, that. on the Napoli side, I like, you know, I, I like what you're saying about Fabian Ruiz. I think Andre Zambo and Gisa once again turned in another great performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, the yeah. guy's been a find, yeah. uh, you know, for this Napoli midfield since joining. So, I, I, you know, I think you could, I think you could make a case for any of those guys, but it's not like, you know, they were man of the match in a game that you had to all of a sudden just, that, that, that you were at the edge of your seat for yeah. the entire 90 minutes. No, so, exactly. So, but, two all right, so that was like uh, we had a like a rebound goal, a penalty, and then no goals. I mean, th- there were goals this weekend, Richard, weren't there? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, get into some of those goals, right? Because uh, the derbies were always going to be tight and uh, low scoring. So let's get to some of the goals in this one. Uh, starting off on Friday, you had Torino hosting Genoa. Uh, goal scoring started in the 14th minute. A header through Tony Sanabria. Uh, Torino would double their lead in the 31st minute. Paul Bega with a nice goal of the weekend there. Uh, Frank's boy Destro would cut it to 2-1 to one in the 70th minute. Make it 2-1, uh, to one, like I said. Uh that that lead would last very short, the one goal lead, I should say, because they made it three to one. Brecolo in the seventy seventh minute, uh, three to one. Looks like they're going to walk away winners. Eighty first minute, Philippe Caicedo made it three two. That's how it finished. And now it's my time to say that Caicedo greater than Immobile. Uh, <laughs> Torino gets the win in that one. Sampdoria on Friday hosting Spezia. Goal scoring started in the fifteenth minute. Giassi with an own goal. Uh, made a one nothing there. Candreva would double the lead for 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 Sampdoria in the 36, two nothing. Look like we're going to keep that scoreline there, even though Spezia kept coming and coming more and more. Uh, but Verde goal of the weekend in the 95th minute, fifth minute of stoppage time, two to one. Sampdoria we walk away. They should have walked away a bigger win, but uh, they got the win nonetheless. But they they literally had no desire to have the ball in the second half. I know it's... they went up two nil at halftime, and they're like, "We're good. We're done." Here, you have the ball. Yeah. Too many opportunities for Spezia. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. And you this is where you get, this is where you scratch your head with Diversa because you it's a game like this. You should keep going at them, pounding in the goals, and no, you're gonna take your chances and you barely get away with one goal win. So And I think that it's because Sampdoria have been so painfully awful defensively uh over the last several weeks under Diversa that it was just like, okay, we're really going to let them have the ball. Okay. <laughs> we're going to just let's hey, set our defense out. <laughs> yeah. They could have just set all 11 of their guys in the penalty area. I mean, it was, it was just, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was bizarre for a team of Sampdoria's quality. And yeah, I get Spezia plays a very attractive game. They love having the ball. They like to create. They're not, Spezia is not a counterattacking side. They want to have possession. And with a two nil lead, Fine, you want to respect that. Keep him out. I thought that was very, very early to go to those tactics. I, you know, but I agree. that's just that's me. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of questionable tactics, Sally Talernitana hosting Empoli. Uh, goal scoring started in the second minute. Pina Monte, wonderful finish, uh, made it one nothing there. Patrick Cutrone in the 11th minute, uh, double that lead two nothing. And just two minutes after that, looked like a goal of the week candidate. But upon review, uh, Strandberg with an own goal. It wasn't a backheel flick by Cutrone. Nonetheless, 3 nothing. 13 minutes into the game. Uh, shock start there. And then add insult to injury, 45th minute. Pina Monte gets a penalty, a nice uh, Paneca goal. Uh, he must have said something to the, to the goalie because the goalie went after him right after the goal. I don't know exactly what he said. Probably something about his mother or something. But uh, 4 Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Or, did, or was the goalie just mad that... That he that he shot a Panenka. I thought it was maybe the Panenka at first. When you watch the replay from behind Pinamonte, it looked like he made some kind of gesture towards the goalie after the goal. Oh, uh, okay. So I, I don't it. know. We'll have to we'll have to see the other angles and maybe hear some uh, somebody else's take. But it looked like to me Pinamonte may have did or said something to the goalkeeper to really piss him off. But nonetheless, four nothing at halftime. Um, Ranieri would get a goal in the forty eighth to make it four to one, and then Ismaili would get a goal, an own goal, really. Uh, on the 55th, but 4-2 to two, Empoli walk away easy winners in this one. Uh, moving on to Saturday, Sassuolo hosting Venezia. Goal story started early. Goal of the week candidate, Okareke. Wonderful curler uh, from the left side of the box. Made a 1-0. Would we have a shock? 
not so much. Uh, 37th, Berardi with a goal, 1-1. Uh, in the second half, an own goal by Henri. Uh, in the 50th, make it 2-1. And then to add insult to injury, Fratesi with a nice goal in the 67th. Sassuolo walkaway winners, 3-1. And wrapping up my slate, Bologna hosting Milan. This is an uh, interesting game. Uh, goal scoring started early in the 16th minute. Layout with a goal deflected. Went past the keeper. one nothing there. Uh, 35th minute, Calabria with a nice goal. Made it 2 nothing going into halftime. Coming out of the break, old man Ibrahimovic with an own goal. Made it four or 2-1 to one at that point. Excuse me. Uh, and then minutes later, a uh, goal of the week candidate, it was uh, Arnatovic to Soriano to Musa Barrow, gets it past Tatarosano 2-2 all of a sudden, when it looked like Milan was going to walk away with this. But uh, Ben Acer, one of the goal of the week candidates in the 84th, a wonderful volley, really, make it 3-2. And then uh, to wrap things up, Ibrahimovic gets his brace, sort of, uh, his second goal of the game <laughs> for, for Milan. Uh, 4-2 Milan walk away winners uh, in this one on the road so uh yeah thoughts on on that batch um well bologna had the red cards uh that caused them some trouble um what do we always say two nils a two, so, nils most, two gold leads the most dangerous score line and you're at halftime and you know one of the things that matt you know when i coach my when i coach my my teams it's you've got a lead like that at halftime or that sort of thing. You're at, you're at that fine line where you're looking for a third to kill the game off, but you can right. make enough mistakes to let them back in it. And you, 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 you know, Pioli is a very good manager, and I'm sure he said it. And you said, you know what? Be ready for their best shot. They're coming right out here. First five, ten minutes of this second half is important. Can take this if we can take the game away from them somehow, whether it's by scoring another goal or keeping them out. We might be able to to kill their will a little bit here and go on and win this game, especially when they were a man up at the time. There's a Bologna gets the two quick goals, but then they get the, 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 uh, the straight red on the challenge. That's Soriano. Yeah, that was Soriano. So I think um, the first red Sumaro, you had to give a red. It was the last man and stopped it and you had to give a red. The second one though, I thought it was pretty harsh. Yes. No. It was a foul on Balotori, but I don't see it was a red. Yeah. But I mean, he is in, he is flying in studs high. Um, Fair enough. You know, and by the letter of the law, they're they're supposed to send you off for that. So, um, Bologna deserved credit because they did not fight, give up. I mean, they made it two two man down. They kept coming at them when it was three, you know, it was two two, and up until Benasser scored, they had some chances. Arnautovic came close. Um, they would not give up, even though down two men. What's your concern level about Tatarasanu now? There's been this is three games. He's not like um, What's that? Well, he's not Mignon, but on a scale of one to ten, ten very concerned. Uh, ten being ten most concerned. What's your concern level with this Milan team with Tatra Sanu in goal? I'm concerned. Uh, games like Bologna, I think it's not that bad. But when you go against the big teams where you need big saves, I don't think he's the man. Uh, Musabaro goal was a goal no matter how you cut it. Anybody in there, he would have scored, I think. Um, but. Tatarasano is a questionable player back there, and you don't you yeah. don't know what he's going to do either distribution wise, stopping wise, or anything, right? Uh, and so I think in a you know if if ten is being the most panic, if I was a well, I am a Milanese, um, I would say I'm probably on a 
seven or eight. I think he can do the job against right. the lower middle middle range teams, but the big games, he's going to cost them some games. And I hopefully that doesn't come to the fruition because they got a good defense in front. But uh, I I'm not liking what I've seen through the first three games. I'm curious what your your thoughts are so far. I, I'm I'm close to a seven, and I think it has to do with players like Kiar and Tamori who need to assume a a higher burden to make sure that he's not troubled too much. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that's not hard for them to assume. Um, but then it comes down to, then it comes down to goalkeeper judgment. And then you, you, you clearly trust Mainyan in that more than you trust Tatra Sano. And I think that that's where the level of concern gets raised. If you're a Milan supporter. Now I, I said, it been saying it for the last several days, hurry up and get Mirante up to speed. Because he knows how to he knows how to shot, stop shots. He knows how to play goalkeeper yep, in this he's, league. He's a keeper. Yep. So, um, and I think at some point you're going to have to turn this over to Mirante and give him the start and goal and see what you got with him. Um, we saw him with a worse Roma defense in front of him get clean sheets. So um, it's so it's very possible. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know, looking at Salernitana. Um, man, they can't defend. I mean, yeah, Empoli just put on a clinic on just the first two goals, just timing, yeah. change of speed, diagonal runs, both Cutrone and Pinamonte, and just cutting in front of the defender. Um, and you know, the, the, the timing of the pass coming in, uh, you know was interesting to watch. And it's just like Salernitana is just so flat footed. Um, Anthony, in my opinion, I would split starts with Tatrasan and Miranti eventually go to Miranti until Minen. He's at a seven as well. I, I say eventually just totally turn this over to Miranti and turn it over to a guy who's got experience playing in this league. Um, so I, you know, but, but anyway, coming back now to Salernitana, I just, they can't defend. And they're going to be behind so many games. I mean, it's just they're the. I had them for twentieth uh, from the get go. I said I just I didn't like this team. Yeah. Um. I, I. You know. I know that you know there was some sentiment about maybe they could be all right, and it just hasn't gone well. For What's ninety that? minutes, they need to park the bus for ninety minutes. But I don't think they can. I don't think they can do that. I don't think they have players with the mentality to do that. They want to. They want to. They want to go forward. They want to use their wing backs. You know, they're trying to figure out how to make it work where Ribery can be the playmaker. Um, you know, and feed these forwards that they've got, and they're putting themselves so far behind. Because uh, I'll tell you what, Belich and Goal, Aya Strandberg and uh, Yaroszynski are not guys that I'm worried about. Yeah, keeping me out of a goal. So, um, you know, it's just. Uh, just, just what I've, just what I've been seeing from there, and you know, this is what you see when Empoli is given license to attack, and when they can finish their chances under Andrea Zoli, they can be very, very good. Empoli's mm-hmm. in ninth. Um, in case you weren't, in case you were wondering, um, yeah, you know, I still think they're going to get to a point where they're going to run into their issues defensively, and they're going to start falling back and fighting off relegation. I think some of this is also that Empoli has kind of gotten a little bit of a squishy, gotten to a little bit of a squishy part of their uh, schedule. Um, they did get blasted by Atalanta um, and Roma, but they beat Bologna. They beat a Cagliari team that I don't know for the life of me 
Um, but then losing it, losing at home to Venezia is the classic reason why I still think Empoli's in trouble that this, this, uh, this ninth place position flatters them or this 10th place position flatters them, I should say. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see. You never know. Uh, maybe they might get some things figured out, but I think that defensively there's still a liability. Um, Sassuolo, uh, Good to see uh, one of my one of the players I touted getting on the score sheet, Fratesi. Uh, yeah, nice. Goal. And he's been solid, you know, as a replacement yeah. for uh, Locatelli. Um, I just think I think the Sassuolo team is just overall taking a step back, and my, maybe some of that's, uh, you know, had to do with not having Dzerbi there as manager and, and his leadership. Yeah. So, but. Um, and then, uh, you know, looking at those those couple of games on Friday, yeah, Sampdoria totally baffling to me with their tactics in the second half. They pulled it off. Um, I think that it was just – I think they were at a stage where it was like, you know, we just need three points, you know, and yeah. we need to take them off this team who were kind of in a direct – at the moment, indirect con- competition with for relegation. Um, uh, and then, uh, you so, know, you know we might – I'm I'm liking Torino under Ivan Juric. Um, I, don't, I don't like the two goals, but I do like the way they play offensively for sure. Yeah, I don't like the way they finish the match. Definitely, I'm with you. Um, but I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from there. Pobega's obviously been really good for them. Yeah. Um, you know, Brecolo was a very shrewd pickup for this season. Um, Vijay's asking Empoli and Fiorentina surprises so far. Uh, Fiorentina, no, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I, I thought that. Fiorentina would be this good. Yeah. Uh, Empoli, yes. Yeah. But I think at some point Empoli is going to get figured out. Um, you know, uh, Fiorentina, I think they're here to stay. I think they're qual. I think they're quality. I think that they're. I think that they're a top seven team. I said so when I picked my predictions after the tra- after the Mercato closed. So, um, you know, so I, you know. He's using the same setup that he had at Hellas Verona, but you can argue that he's got better players at Torino. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Which is which is serving him well. Um, I would probably take Brecolo and Sanabria he, over. And he's, not even, and he's not even starting Belotti. Right, and he's not no, even starting Belotti exactly. So Pioli should give Pabega a chance next. He should have given him a chance this season. Yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, but yeah, to, to be fair, Milan's midfield is so backlog right now. I mean, you know, with you've got Cassie, you've got Benacer, you've got how Tonali's been playing. Um, you've got some pieces there. It's kind of hard. Where, where, where do you fit Pobega into all of that? You know, maybe things get screwy with Cassie's contract and they can't resign him. Then, yeah, Pobega's coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's that would be the fallback if they can't afford to keep Frank Cassie. I would think. I wouldn't think Maldini would be stupid enough to let that go. So um we'll see about that uh so yeah i mean those five games certainly thrilling certainly entertaining you had plenty of goals to uh to call there richard so um moving on to my batch these three games all happen on sunday if uh you decided to get up early this morning you would have been treated to atalanta against udinese how would atalanta react to that Ugly, ugly uh, giveaway at Old Trafford against Manchester United after they were 2-0 up uh, to be beaten 4-2. Um, some uh, some narrative for you. Juan Musso and goal against his uh, former club, Udinese. 
Uh, we always love a good narrative. And uh, oh, yeah. statistically, it's what you would have expected. Uh, Atalanta possessed it two-thirds of the time, uh, but they would not score until the 56th minute. A goal of the week candidate from Ruslan Malinovsky from distance with his left foot. How else does he score? Um, that made it 1-0. Beto in the 94th minute. Uh, gets the tying goal for Udinese and scratches out a point uh, for the Friuli, uh, making it a 1-0 win. Uh, Fiorentina and Cagliari. Uh, Fiorentina taking a 3-0 win here. Cristiano Baraghi penalty. Uh, Nico Gonzalez getting on the score sheet in the 42nd minute, another player that we touted pretty highly here in our preview. And then 49th minute goal of the week candidate, actually my goal of the week, Dusan Vlaovic's free kick. Uh getting past uh, Cranio uh, to get the 3-0 win. Uh, the way this game went, it could have been more than three, uh, but uh, Calgary is just – just, and I don't get it. They The talent uh, is there. Yeah. Um, they're just mind-blowingly bad. Uh, speaking of mind-blowingly bad, Lazio uh, traveling to Hellas Verona and getting boat raced 4-1 – it was Giovanni Simeone four, Lazio one. Um, Giovanni and, uh, Simeone, four goals. Yeah, on his dad's old team. <laughs> Just uh, that. How, how's that conversation going to go? Um, <laughs> look, look, look. Before you get into any more of this, you know, lots of people will probably get upset that we don't pick Lazio as title favorites, and this is a reason why they have blips in their games where you're just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" This is a prime example of why we don't pick Lazio so high. But sorry, I had just had to jump in there because no, the- no, that's fair. I mean, the the first goal was the the, the second goal is the goal of the week candidate. The, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the finish from Dish, it was just a banger. But the uh, the first goal, I do want to highlight uh, the the pass from Gianluca Caprari, very nicely weighted. Um, Churi Immobile would get one back, making it two one. Caprari playing in Simone again in the sixty second minute. Simone again in the 92nd. Um, yeah, I mean, Lazio, this is why we don't th- – this is why we don't rate them. And they play well. At times they play wonderful football. Look what they did against Inter. And then other times they leave you scratching your head. And this is an example. Like, yes, we knew Hellas has turned it around on their new manager, but no way should anybody be losing 4-1. No good team should be losing 4-1 to, to Hellas, including letting Javon and Simeone get a poker – a guy who's had like four goals, or oh, it seems like four. he scores a lot, but not not often enough where he's four goals. You expect Immobile to score four goals, not uh, Giovanni Simeone. But uh, yeah, it looks like Lazio were just shell shocked, um, not prepared whatsoever about what Hellas is going to bring. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and it adds fuel to the fire because before the game, Sadi was talking about how he doesn't see how. Um, Luis Alberto can play next to Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, which is stupid because we all know they both played together for years and they're one of the best defensive uh, midfield duos in the league and in, in Europe. But that's questionable. You've seen also the drama gets ramped up even more because uh, somebody tweeted out a comment negatively against Sari and Luis Alberto liked it. So, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on in the back scenes there. And then you add this game, 4-1, to just getting drubbed by Hellas. It's just not going well at the moment for Lazio. They need to turn it around quickly. I believe they can, but blips like this is 
unexcusable. And if you want to be a team that's a Champions League contender, you cannot have these as often as Lazio do. No, you can't. You simply can't. Um, it's uh, boy, I'll tell you what. Wednesday's Wednesday's game is tasty. Um, when uh, Lazio and Fiorentina meet at the Olimpico, uh, that is a you know for only the tenth game into the season, that's a huge game for both teams. Um, Fiorentina can use it as the opportunity to say, "Hey, we're here, and it's not Seven Sisters anymore. We're 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 here to cause some problems, and we're going to cause them to Lazio. Lazio has got to say, "Hey, we're part of this thing. We're going to be a European. We're going to be." one of the European teams at the end of the season, and we've got to win this. That is a 10 games into the season. That's already a European six pointer. Um, and I'm, I, you know, and some people might say, yeah, Frank, you're, you're exaggerating. You're trying to go over hype and all that other stuff. I said, really not. I mean, yeah. the way Fiorentina is playing, this is what they're going for. You know, and Lazio are going through some growing pains right now under Maurizio Sarri. This is a big, big deal for both of these clubs. This is going to be a huge game on Wednesday. Um, and um, it would not surprise me to see Fiorentina go in there and win that game. Not many of the seven sisters can be had by Fiorentina, but Lazio is one of those teams that can be had, and I think you really need to see the leadership step up. You know, Immobile, Sergei Milinkovic, Savic, uh, and, and, the rest of, and the rest of the team. You know, I heard an interesting debate on Twitter, or read an interesting debate on Twitter, I should say, uh, and it was, who is more important to Lazio, Ciro Immobile with all his goals or Sergei Milinkovic Savic with what he does, goals, assists, control that midfield? What are your thoughts? Because I think it's a, it's an interesting debate because obviously Immobile scoring all the goals is vitally important. Who else is going to score for them? Uh, he's been the main goal-scoring contributor. He's been the horse for them. But SMS, he takes up a lot of this, the, the spot. The, the pressure away from him in the midfield. He comes up big like he did in, against Inter. In the big games, he scores goals. Uh, he's good in the air. He's good in passing. He can score. He can do it all, almost. I mean, you can see why he was rated so high in terms of the, of the value of his money a couple of seasons ago. Um, but who do you think is more important for this team? Wow, that's a great question. Um, if you take Immobile out of that lineup, yeah, I, I see where you're going. Who do you trust to score the goals? Yeah. I think there's – you're never – I mean, you're you're not going to replace Sergei Milinkovic Savic either. Correct. But you can apply that – you can have a division of labor among the three midfielders in Saudi's system. Yes. A I lot agree. easier with him than you can with trying to find who's going to score the goals for you if you take Immobile out of that lineup. I, I tend to agree with you. I think, I mean, I, yes, you need someone to be that maestro in the middle, but you still have Luis Alberto. You can, sorry, can figure out a way in his system. He, he's a possession-based type manager. They can figure out a way, but you need someone to score the goals. And I think having someone of Immobile's quality, being able to put those away, pouncing like he does, he's a perennial poacher, you need someone like that, and they don't just grow on trees. And so if he's gone or he's unavailable, who's going to step up? You don't have Casado anymore. You don't have – you don't have um, what's Correa. Face? Correa. I mean, who are you going to rely on? It's Marici's not going to be the answer. We've seen it no. already, you know? Yeah. 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 So I, as I said, I think that it's – you can you can replace 
Milinkovic Savic in the aggregate in your midfield. You can't replace all that goal production that Chidu Immobile can give you, not with the players that you currently have in house. Yeah, I agree. And I, th- I I think Sarri needs to get his head out of his ass if he thinks Luis Alberto and SMS can't play together. Watch we've, his, got watch years of, we've got years of sample that show that they can't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. He he just has a gripe against SMS be- or Luis Alberto because he came late to practice and now he just wants to burn bridges with him. I mean, that's what it is. It's yeah. Anyone who thinks that those two can't play together is stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're stupid. Yep. Uh, you're saying sorry to sorry. I see what you did there. <laughs> did he even yeah he came on when when, when Luis Alberto came on he got 34 minutes he created three chances five crosses shot on target he scored last week yeah why wouldn't I didn't it's it's a it's a grudge it's a grudge against him because he was late and he doesn't get the respect that he sorry thinks he deserves from Luis Alberto that's what it something's is. not right yeah that, that it has to be that I mean it has to be that to lead you to say something just so idiotic like that. When the rest of us who have been watching this league for years and been watching these guys play together, you know, you need – they can play together in a three-man midfield for Lazio. You have to get a better ball-winning back-four protector than Lucas Leva. That's true. I agree. You absolutely have to. I mean, he, he's shown his age. Yeah. There's no there's no getting around it. And um he can't cover the ground like he used to. He's not in the form that he was when he played at you know all those years when he was when he was solid for Liverpool. Um you know, I mean, you're asking a 34-year-old who's going to be 35 in January to cover all that ground not really by himself. Um but that you have not addressed that position adequately enough. Yeah. You know, we don't know if Danilo Cataldi can be a 90 minute guy. Cause we, we don't get to see it. Gonzalo Escalante was brought in to play that role. Um, yeah. but we don't get to see it. You know, there's just this over-reliance on a guy that, you know, is average at best. At, at what he does and 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 is and and that best we don't see very often yeah and look we're not trying to disrespect the millions and millions of hellas veronas fans i know we're talking a lot about lazio here but you know i'm the only i'm i'm one of the only one that said i'm one of the only ones that said hellas verona is going to stay up they're good i told all of you they're you're good. nuts they have too much talent. They're going to come to their. I mean, I didn't predict that EDF would get sacked. See, that's but the I thing. I thought gonna, it would take gonna, them a while to come to that senses with that. Yeah, they were going to come to their senses at some point. And I said, and if they win under EDF, they're going to win despite him. Yeah. Um. You know, but there's too much talent in that Hellas Verona team to go down. I. I. You know, there's there's four or five teams to me that are worse than them. Although yeah. I think I, I I can't remember where I put them, and I'd have to go back and look. But I know I had them staying up. So. Yeah. I mean, they're easily 15th and above, easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good team. It's a good bunch of players uh, from, from back to front. So, yeah, uh, they're, they're not getting the love tonight, mostly because we're talking about Lazio. But I think Hellas, they, you know, if Gio, Giovanni Simeone, you know, finds a way to start scoring more and more goals, not just against Lazio, but everybody, you know, if he can find a way to get double-digit, maybe even 15 goals, that might be manager of the year candidate right there, if, and if they can figure that out. Um, but they got the talent. Like you said, Anthony Barak and company, they – they can play some ball with and with a manager who has any kind of common sense. They're going to play well. 
obviously EDF yep. has probably run his course as a manager in, in Serie A, but um, yeah, this uh, Hellas team is going to be difficult for a lot of teams, including the Seven Sisters. Well, only one defeat for Hellas Verona in their last five games. That, that was at Milan, and they had a 2-0 lead there. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, who was it against? <laughs> what's that? I was like, I was going to ask, who was it against again? But I know. Yeah. Yeah, the loss at Milan, they had a two, they actually had a 2-0 lead and they they gave it away. Yeah. But they beat Roma in that run. They drew Salernitana. That's maybe a little bit concerning, but you you beat Roma and Lazio. Um yeah, I mean that uh that speaks to your credentials. Those are points that relegation strugglers are probably not going to get. So, um yeah, so it it's 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 that sort of thing. <laughs> Okay, Fiorentina were brilliant today and, and and should have scored probably six or seven goals today. But why why do we keep having this conversation about Cagliari? Because, much like with Hellas when they had EDF, there's a bunch of talent that not performing. I'm losing my voice now. Um, and it's it, it's mind-boggling to us who know Serie A and the talented players that Cagliari have, and they're not performing. It's just under for whatever reason they can't get it through their heads to play together. And yes, Fiorentina is a good team, but they shouldn't be losing week in and week out three nothing. Well, um, Godin wasn't available. Volukovic has been out. I mean, that's those are those are hits to their defense. Delbert, sure. Um, as Delbert well, Delbert had an injury last week. I think it was it looked pretty yep. bad. So I mean, that's one thing. But I mean that that's. That's just for this game. I mean, what are the excuses for the other games? Exactly. Um, and they're sitting in 19th. And Jeff Pedro will get his goals, but who else? Who else is going to contribute? Keita Balde's been okay. Yeah, he has. He's been a good revelation for them. But and when they need like a, an out-and-out striker, Pavoletti can give that for them. Yeah. Um, That's like the only position they have that, that are playing well, I should say. It's, yeah. You know, Keita Balde, Jao Pedro, and you know they have Pavoletti if they need him. But the rest of the team is not – the midfield is not holding up their slack. The fence is not obviously good enough. Cranio, no, no, don't, don't, disrespect getting... my, don't disrespect my boy Marin. He's still all right. <laughs> He's been quieter than last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he has. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But when, when your team can't get the ball, he's not effective. Fair enough. He's, he's best in environments where Cagliari can have some semblance of possession where he can put his influence with his passing and then be involved in some of those set-piece situations. So, um, you know, it wasn't a good game for him against Fiorentina today, that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's maybe they go there, they go to that island, and it's beautiful, and, you know, and and they get spoiled, and they just they don't feel like playing football then. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing because we we're talking. We, we, we were. I mean, we were literally talking about these guys a couple of years ago as being a possible, you know, top seven, top eight, and they were for the first half of the season. Yeah, uh, they were Europe, European place in the coming the winter winter time, and ever since then it has been all downhill. You know, from Rolando Maran and and now with um, oh, the managers that they keep going through, it just it's not working out, and it's I don't know, man, I don't know. It's crazy. I think that the current well, no, I well, depends on how you look at the table. If you put Napoli, well, you're putting Napoli in first on goal difference, but yeah, I mean, the top eight is almost exactly how I had it in my prediction, with the exception you flip flop Napoli and Milan. So yeah, you flip flop Roma and Atalanta. I think I think that's my top top seven. Yeah. Well, no, so, I had Milan. I had Milan first and Napoli. 
third or fourth. So yeah, but yeah, you can end the season now, and I'm looking pretty good. I mean, seven point lead for Milan and Napoli. That's a pretty good spot to be in with, uh, you know, Inter and Roma and Juve and all those teams behind you. So a nice cushion for them. Can they keep it up? We'll see. But uh, you like what you got to see from both those teams. Long way to go, though. How in the hell is Bologna ninth? (laughs) I think Bologna Bologna's ninth because everybody below them sucks. I think that's pretty much it. (laughs) You know, they should just play with a man or two men down every time because they play better that way. They uh, did. They were pretty spirited. Yeah. They, they, they didn't, they didn't fight. They didn't, or they didn't give up, I should say. Uh, but when they're even, sometimes they play well, sometimes they don't. It's, and it's, they're very Jekyll and Hyde, but you know, they had a lot of fight in this game against Milan, despite the the result. Yep. Yep. Agreed. All right. Let's uh, get to some goals of the week. All right. So let's see. Um, some of my honorable mentions, Zlatan, his curler, uh, Melanovsky's bomb from distance in Okareke. My top five, though, goes as this. I got a goalkeeper in my top five. Number five, actually. Montipo had a fantastic save on yep. Patrick, a header. He uh, that was wonderful there. So number, number five for me. Number four, I'm going Benacer's volley. Lovely strike. Number three, the team goal by Bologna against Milan is Arnatovic to Soriano to Musabaro. Wonderful goal there. Number two, Giovanni Simeone, he had a poker, but the second goal was just a wonderful thing of beauty. And then I actually have a tie for my goal of the week. Vlahovic, free kick, wonderfully taken. Uh, and then Verde with a short-sided goal, uh, top shelf there. Those are two beautiful goals there for me. So that's my top five. Okay. All right. Um, Verde is an honorable mention for me. Um, but I'm going to go with Melanovsky at number five. Okariki at number four. Venezia, free this man and just play him. <laughs> play him. He yeah. is going to get you goals. Don't take him out. All right. He's better than is it just a is it a travesty that Thomas Henri wears the same number that Thierry Henri wore for planned? Like it's Don't not, forget, you're not, not, even, him. not even half the player Thierry you know ever was. No, um yeah. it's just that that's ballsy. That's that's all I'm gonna say, pointing that out. Uh I'll take the Benacer volley in at number three. Uh Simeone's second. At number two, and Dusan Vlaovic free kick, my goal of the week. Uh, winners and losers. Milan's a winner. Um, well, yeah. One at Bologna, and then got to sit on their couch on Sunday and watch everybody cannibalize each other <laughs> and uh, get back in a tie for first with Napoli in the process and watch Inter, Roma, and Juve drop points and Atalanta all dropping points. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, my winners and losers are going to be in the same game. Uh, winners of the week, it's Giovanni Simeone, a guy who's fa- fairly been irrelevant this season, uh, gets a poker, gets back on the map. He's like third or something in the, in the goal-scoring charts now uh, in the league, it, which is crazy. I mean, you look at the top 10, really. you got Immobile, obviously, leading. Dzeko's up there. Destro's in the top five. Giappedro, Simeone as well, tied for six with Destro and Giappedro. I mean, unreal. Unreal. So he's back relevant. So he's the winner for me. Loser, Lazio. Um, just uh, unreal the way they 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 lost this. I mean, if they lost two to one, it's one thing. They lost four to one, and they allowed Giovanni Simeone to score four of those goals, all four. So, yeah, they need to do better, man. And Sari needs to do better with his uh, decision making in terms of you know SMS and Luis Alberto playing together. Yep, I'm with you on the uh, the loser Lazio, and in particular Maurizio Sari. Just just put just put Luis Alberto and SMS out there. My gosh. So, 
Don't know what he's seeing out there, but he is he's he is he is working his way dangerously into Ventura territory. You know, in terms of managerial <laughs> ineptitude, he's getting there. He's getting dangerously close. So, yeah. um, all right, uh, some uh, midweek games here, Richard. Uh, we talked about Lazio Fiorentina. This is that's probably the pick of them. Um, you know, as far as things are concerned, Tuesday you've got Spezia hosting Genoa. You've got Venezia hosting Salernitana, a relegation six pointer. 10, 10 match weeks in Milan hosting Torino. Teo Hernandez is back uh, for that one uh, on the 27th. You've got Juve against Sassuolo, Sampdoria, Atalanta, Udinese, Hellas, Verona, Cagliari, Roma, Empoli, Inter, Lazio, Fiorentina. And then on Thursday, Napoli playing host to Bologna. We obviously uh, uh, went over the Lazio Fiorentina game. That's a huge one. Uh, what else gets your attention here? Obviously, I'm curious to see how Ivan Juric's team does against Milan. That'll be an interesting game. Should be lots mm. of goals, I would imagine, but you never know. Uh, and I, I like, I'm curious to see Sassuolo Juventus. I think Sassuolo can get one on Juventus. Um, there's enough attacking power to get Juventus. The question is, can they stop Juventus? Uh, that'll be the, the key for them. That'll be a good game, I think, though. Um, and yeah, I think that's. I mean, Napoli Bologna could be entertaining, but I, I expect Napoli to get a, a three points in that one. Yeah, um, Hellas and Udinese could be surprisingly good. We, we Hellas has obviously been playing good, or well, I should say Udinese. They have it in them. They they're more stable now under the new manager. Um, so this could that could be a surprisingly good game, at least tactical wise. And that'll be match week ten. Uh... I'm with you on the Juve Sassuolo game, although I think that Juve are going to get a 2 0 win there. I think that Sassuolo is going to try to carve out a bunch of chances. I think it's going to be one of those games where Juve just kind of keep it all tight, keep it all in front of them, you know, manage their way through it and, you know, and, and, and get out of there with the win. I, I think the Milan Torino game is going to be very exciting uh, as well. Uh, I think that Torino is going to score a couple. I, I could be the highest scoring game of this midweek. Um, you know, especially when you see how Milan have been running right now defensively without Mignon back there. They're going to get Teo Hernandez back, which would give them a little bit of a boost. I just, Fode Balotore had moments where he just looked lost, particularly in the Champions League game. So having him back is going to be a big help. Um, Could be and, a trap game, though, with Roma on the horizon for Milan. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um Empoli Inter, I think, is going to be halfway intriguing. You know, can Empoli keep this up are they willing to take this game at inter well they um, score against his team yeah yeah very you know i mean i ultimately expect inter to go on and win that game but i think that empoli is going to make that interesting uh so so we'll see what happens there so and finally we now go to the world's most popular hashtag game who won calcio twitter pot's a little light this week but you know what sometimes it's all about quality and not quantity that's right. That's right. And uh, kicking things off is Nima. Uh, when he got a surprise message this week, on um, weekend, I should say, on Instagram. Yes, that is the Wanda Icardi messaging him after something he must have posted. She wasn't too happy with Nima. Uh, if you want to know the details, I'll have to talk to Nima about that. But uh, yeah, that's a big who on couch on Twitter. Nima is uh, being very well known around the world, apparently. At least in the, in the Icardi circles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. At uh, Tony Malasse 7, Maldini let the Champions League DNA leave on a free transfer. This was after. (laughs) That's good. good. 
Zing. <laughs> Good. And look, I, I, before we move on, people are, are giving Mon shit because they're fourth place, and it's probably deservedly so, but I think many, at least many Melanisti, knew this was coming. They knew this team was third, maybe maybe third, but definitely fourth place in this group. It's yeah. always going to be difficult with these youngsters. Um, so we're not surprised that this result is happening, but uh, definitely people are taking their shots. And, you know, why not? Everybody, else, we, you know, we give Interisi shots and Juve shots. Milan deserves their shots as well. So uh, very funny from Art Vandelay. <laughs> I mean, I would, you know, zero points, fine. But they've competed. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and they've been with a, within a goal of each of these teams. So, you know, we all can't, we can't, we can't play. We all can't play Melmo and Sheriff. So. Um, or Bodo Glimt. Oh, wait, never or mind. Or Bodo Glimt. Yeah. So, um, or Spartak Moscow. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's just what it is. It's a, it was a, it was just the group of, a group of hell. And if they could have finished first or second, I think that that would have been an incredible achievement. If they would have gotten third and gotten to the Europa League and they still can. And, excuse me. And I think most people would expect that, but. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, when you look at it, I mean, it's just, it's, it's what it is. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, you know, you, we you knew it was going to be difficult and, uh, you know, there's a very, very slim chance of them qualifying. Um, it would need to, they'd need to, first of all, take care of business and beat Porto here first. And they would need Atletico Madrid to collapse at some level as well. So it'd have to be like Atalanta did a couple of years ago. They were dead yeah. last in the same position and came back and went all the way deep into the playoffs. So yeah. Anything can happen, but I don't. But I, I just I think it's too big a mountain to climb. So, um, but we shall see. Um, we shall definitely see. All uh, right. Well, keeping on the theme, uh, the big chic ne- underscore Nerazzurri says uh, AC Milan is back, fourth in the table in the Champions League, and they show a picture of Martino. <laughs> Poor Martino. The wig. Yeah, <laughs> with a Crudelli wig. Yeah, it's funny. That's that's good. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Yeah. So moving on um, at Napoleonismo, he always <laughs> seems to find his way on the uh, on the nominee list. Serie A owes Juve a lot. Their special DNA in Europe is the only reason why the league is not compared with the Dutch or Ligue 1. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, moving on, Joe Fischetti put this onto this one, and it was... Jerry Mancini says, I broke up Morrow in Wanda. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> you homewrecker. <laughs> uh, the Photoshop ability. Sure. Better than mine. Napoleon Ismo back for another one. Fair play to Ronaldo. Left Juve in order to play the EL and not the CL final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, zing. All right, moving on to at real Dada Mourinho trying to be sacked so he gets the Newcastle job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Presidente uh, has brought in a nominee uh, at at Diane Jamil. This is in a response to uh, Mourinho fan. Uh, we are an embarrassment to Italian football, but we still have never been relegated to Serie B for cheating. At Diane Jamil, a Juve fan, current status. Losing, I think he meant to say losing. I think he did too. Six one to a Wi-Fi password team whose captain works as an electrician. <laughs> Ouch! 
Yikes. Ouch. <laughs> oh, right, Rafa. Is, uh, Dodo Glimt is uh, who produced uh, Jens Petter Helga. Let's not get... This is true. This is yeah. true. They're actually very good team in Norway. But, yep. uh, yeah. All right, Rafa moved, uh, made us know, uh, put our attention to this by Matteo Bonetti. So, the original tweet was uh, Benito, Mil- Benito Mussolini's uh, great-grandson Romano Mussolini has been called up to play Lazio's first team by Saudi. He's a right winger. But um, yep. yep. <laughs> Oh, oh, let's right. see here. Oh, I gotta move on up. <laughs> All right. Rete this way. What was written on that piece of paper given to Benucci and at JP Uccello? Said, I'm sure it's at Intermerda. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, if you stick with this, there's a lot of funny responses in this. Uh, Milan Weekly Podcast says, don't worry, we're getting penalty. <laughs> Julian says, flopping anywhere near the box, VAR has been paid. Uh, <laughs> Michael Daniel Monster says, you're merda. Another <laughs> <I love that laughs> one. <laughs> uh, one says, penalty is coming, no worries. Another one says, ask the ref for a penalty, VAR is ready. It goes on and on. I mean, all the responses are great in this one. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> at Sean MCKT, lads, we are good to go. <laughs> the ref's check just cleared. Uh, at Mohamdi100, uh, the uh, J logo of the referee with the whistle and the flag. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, that tweet might win it just because all the responses that it came with it. Yep. Uh, let's see. Martino brought us our attention to this one. And this was. Uh, Okay, so Martino tweeted out, clear penalty for Juve. If you think there's conspiracy with this, you got to come off the ledge. So Good Rulet says, I want to think this is Allegri's note to Bonucci. Don't worry, baby girl, we get a penalty. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Oh, very nice. Very nice. That's got a chance. Yeah, there's one. All right, and then finally, our friend Nima Tavali, just to show that he's a good sport after this Derby d'Italia. The only title Juventus has won in Italy without refereeing, quote-unquote, help that we know of, I might add, him winning the Serie B trophy <laughs> in 2007 to get back up to Serie A. Yes, so, yes. Milan and uh, Juve, the brunt of the jokes this week, for sure. Yep, yep, Ooh. that's for sure, and rightfully so. I mean, I don't think people had enough time to get the Lazio jokes in, but... yeah. Oh, my. I gotta, we got to pick a winner out of this, don't we? Um, yeah, Whew. Let's see. I think it's going to be one of these responses to the piece of paper to Benucci. Actually, you know what? I am going with. Yeah, I'm going with at AC Milanista zero. Uh, AC Milanista O. AC Milanista O. Where is that? Don't uh, worry, baby girl. We're getting a penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The la- one of the last ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's fair. I'll go with that. Okay. I think that. that's our winner. Yeah. So, <laughs> congrats. Oh. Oh my goodness! They get they keep getting better and better. These who won Calcio Twitter entries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there weren't many this week, but they were good. And I think that went from Rete this way. Uh, their post, all the responses was just fantastic. Go check out that thread. Uh, fan, funny, funny responses in that one. So, oh yes, another week in the books. Hang on. Yes, it is. Yes, there is. At AC Milanista, is it? Oh. Oh, zero. zero. Uh, good rule. It. Oh, it's now it's Kuhalga at it's at Kuhalga ACM. There you go. Easy, easier. 
Uh, all right, that's the winner this week. Lots of games um, in the midweek. What's up? You should make it. Uh, send your videos to at, at City at Sit Down um, for fan reaction. We, Richard, you're going to probably be going through those and yeah, some up. yeah. We uh, as as Frank mentioned, weekend every week now we're going to all the big games. We're getting the best reactions. We're getting reactions from the fans for their prospective teams. Whether it's you know this week would be Roma, Napoli, Juve, Inter. Uh, but if you want to send a video, I mean, even in the midweek in the Champions League, we had from, um, um, oh, man, name is escaping me right now, but uh, Ryan Malik or whatever. Um, just send us your reaction to your team's win or losses. I want, you know, we want to post them on, on YouTube uh, and on Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, yeah, it's just we love to get the fans involved. We are the fan, we are fans ourselves. And so the more fan reactions we can get of different teams, the better. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to share a message, share a reaction video on with your phone or whatever. DM us on Serious Sit Down or or either freaking message Frank or myself and we'll we'll get you involved. So uh yeah, it's it's uh something that's picking up pace here and uh with all the games going on, love to see reactions from the fans, not just ours, but everybody else's. Yeah, and by all means, I mean it doesn't have to be uh, you don't have to support one of the seven sisters if you support nope. Fiorentina and you want to give reaction to the game against Cagliari today. We'd love to get your video. Uh yeah. you know, if you're you know, if you're an Udinese supporter, um uh, if you're a Empoli supporter. I know you're all out there. You're all listening to us. Uh, you know, don't be afraid. Shoot a quick video of yourself and give your reaction to uh, your game and what you saw and what you think. And uh, if we like what we're seeing, we'll uh, put it on our page. So, yeah, we want to show the fan reactions and we want to also, you know, give love to other content creators out there, big and small. Uh, mm. you know, we're a college community. We're trying to bring it together. So uh, this is, I think, a fantastic way to do it. So well, while others aren't finish. trying to bring it together, while others are trying to distance themselves and big time everybody else, we're trying to keep it together. So um, that's, that's what we're about. So that said, uh, if you're wondering where, if you're watching us on the broadcast and you're wondering wondering where we got these lovely hashtag Calcio to go shirts, check out the sponsor that is listed here uh in the uh, in the screen teespring.com um you've also seen my tumblr in the past i was too lazy to wash it today um but that also has the city i sit down logo if you want to get some city i sit down swag go ahead over there uh get your calcio to go t-shirts get your caicedo greater than immobile t-shirt we've got uh you know a few others out there so uh check them out and with that we're putting a bow on this edition of city sit down shameless plug time richard yeah, uh, as always, you can follow me anywhere at r underscore k h a r m a n. And then again, thank to all those who uh, contributed with their reactions this weekend. Uh, you will see the videos coming out here in the next day or two. So uh, yeah, thank you all, and we'll we'll list all those people who share them so you can follow them as well. Yep, you can follow me. Whoop at ftc underscore 21 you're doing the old switcheroo on me with the with the uh with the handle keeping you honest uh, I, I see that so um city i sit down we have our own channel on apple podcast and soundcloud we can be found on stitcher spotify iHeartRadio, wherever there is podcast there is city i sit down at city i sit down on twitter or instagram you want to send those fan videos you can send them there uh via direct message um also, we're available on Facebook for any questions or if you want to have any comments, feedback on what you're listening to, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, those in the chat, thank you for joining us today. Uh, join us again. Are we going to do this on Halloween next Sunday night? I'm too old to be trick-or-treating. Oh, that's a good yeah, question. We have kids, though, don't we? We'll see. Yeah, we we'll, do. Plan, we'll plan on it, but we, we may change. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll keep you posted as to uh, when we go on the air next week. Uh, the we, we've got to we've got to think about the children. I am not wearing a costume. I was going to ask. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> so you can get your Juventini gear on, huh? I wear my intern I, gear. No, I have like some mid nineties Juventus stuff. So, um, little you know you know little uh, little phase I went through, but I also. <laughs> Thought Zidane was a joy to watch back then. So when he played for those Juventus teams. But anyway, um, so that's it. Thanks again, as always, for uh, uh, giving us your respect and, and listening to us. For Richard, I'm Frank. As always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.